0: I think that's something we all can identify with because you're either in a storm or coming out of a storm or going into a storm. That's just the way life is. And uh, thank God for His hand that never fails to, to hold us in our time of need. As Eric and Lisa were singing that song, and I was thinking about all of the many difficulties that face us in life, I was thinking about, you know, as a pastor, I'm very much aware that uh, there are many different things that need to be preached. I didn't say many things that could be preached, but I'm talking about many things that really do need to be preached, things that need to be taught, things that people... Need to hear. For example, there are uh, there must be evangelistic sermons for those that are unsaved. If we we had a bunch of unsaved people here today, and uh, everybody else was a Christian, it wouldn't benefit them really very much at all to hear about uh, a lot of things that would be of interest to those of you that have been born again already. And so there are times that uh, the focus of the message needs to be on the needs of the sinner. And then there are times that uh, basic Bible truths are needed for the new believers. I'm talking about the ABCs of Christianity, getting down to the fundamentals of the faith and things that we need to cover. And then there are times, of course, when there there are the deeper truths for those that are the more mature Bible students, uh, uh, they need more than the milk of the Word. They need to get down into the meat of the Word. And then there's a time that uh, for prophecy to see where we're headed. There ought to be a time for Bible history to see where we've been. There ought to be times of preaching about discipleship to understand why we're here. We also need to focus at times on spiritual warfare because uh, uh, we're up against it. There's times that maybe we could preach about the history of the Bible itself and help those that are confused about what version do you use. So I'm simply saying that list could go on and on and on of things that need to be addressed. And the strange thing is sometimes God lays a message on my heart and uh, in my mind I feel like something different is needed. I I think, you know, I need a message today on salvation or whatever it is and the Lord will, you know, lay on my heart a different kind of message altogether. And I think, you know, that that that's not really what we need. But, of course, God knows best. Uh, but today... Today, I don't have any problem today in light of everything that's going on in our church. I can understand the need for this message. And I believe God would have me to do just as He said to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. You don't turn there, but this is what it says Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And so it's with that in mind that I come to you this morning, and I make no apology for saying that the greatest source of comfort in all of the world is God's Word. It does what what man cannot do. You know, it's one thing to give someone a hug or send them flyers or send a card or to give them a pat on the back or offer to a, hel- a helping hand in some way that that that's all wonderful and it's encouraging but nothing ever takes the place of the word of god so with that in mind turn to second corinthians chapter number 4 i want to speak to you this morning about surviving the struggle you'll see what i mean as we as we read and i'm going to actually start back up in Verse 7, bear with me, I uh, may have a bit of a difficult reading, our light is uh, out, and uh, so I'll do the best that I can, beginning in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that's speaking about your body, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are yours for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound, that is, rise and surge to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen." Well, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our text this morning begins actually in verse 16 down through verse 18. And I want you to see three things this morning. There is an incredible statement, an intense struggle, and an important secret Notice the incredible statement is found here where he says in uh, verse number 16. For which cause we faint not. I said that's an ins- incredible statement, and I don't use that word incredible lightly. So many times we talk about something being great. That's great, or that's awesome, but in the strict definition of the word, it's not really great or awesome at all. So sometimes we might say something is incredible, but it's really not. But when I say this is incredible, I mean exactly what I'm saying. This is an incredible statement. He says, we faint not. That word faint means to lose heart. What Paul was saying here is that I don't give up. And I don't give in. And I don't give out. Paul is simply saying, I don't Wet. It reminds me of Moses that we talked about a few weeks ago, where it says, He endured. That is so amazing whenever you think about the great many people that are casualties and dropouts over the years. Those that you had confidence in, those of whom you suspected would never fail, never fall, never falter, and yet They do. I'm certain if you've been here very long as a member of this church, you can look around and you see some empty seats where someone used to sit. Week after week, and for some of them it was year after year. You knew when the doors were open, that seat was going to be occupied. They were going to be there. They were present and they were active. They were involved and they were faithful. And now they're gone. They fainted somewhere along the way. They lost heart for some reason or another. And I say this is incredible for several different reasons. For one thing, it's incredible because the world is sinful. Let's face it, it's difficult in living in a sinful world. Not only is the world sinful, but the way is difficult. Regardless of who you are, how strong you are physically, how much money you have in the bank or whoever you are, it makes no difference. I'm telling you, the way of life is difficult. That's why Job said, man that's born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's true of every single person here. Regardless, the way is difficult. The world is sinful. The work is tiring. Whenever I say the work, I'm speaking specifically of the Christian ministry. Those that are involved in serving the Lord, and so much of it goes on behind the scenes that, uh, that, that the average folk doesn't know anything about. We, we listen to the choir, or we listen to Kep, or we listen to special music, and we don't realize that there are some unseen folks back there in the sound room, hard at work doing something. We think about, you know, what's going on around here, the construction and so forth. And we don't think behind the scenes that Brother Ron and now in his ill health, uh, Brother Richard Wilson is overseeing this. And you need to know that in case there's uh, something you want to complain about. Take it to Richard. Uh, (laughs) Thank God, you know. So many times we don't understand. Richard's up here almost every day of the week, and thank God for those. Listen, let me tell you something. Especially as you get older, the work gets tiring. You don't get tired of the work, but you get tired in the work sometimes. And to be able to say, we faint not, we don't lose heart, we keep going, that is a testament to you know the faithfulness of a person. Not only that, but the warfare is ongoing. I mean, it's a battle every single day. Before you get out of bed, Satan is already at work trying to destroy you and your family. And then, of course, there is the weakness of the flesh. Paul admitted to that in Romans chapter number 7 where he, he tells us there the things you know that I, I would do, I don't do, and the things that I wouldn't do I find myself doing. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, there's also the willfulness of our old nature, that is the vestiges of that old nature we had, and regardless of how long you've been saved, and although you now have a new nature that wants to do right, a new nature that loves God, a new nature that wants to serve God, even though that's true, there's still the the leftovers of that old nature there that's trying to drag you down and pull you away and destroy you. And it's going to be that way as long as you're here on this earth. So I say this is an incredible statement, and especially when you think about what Paul had gone through, all of the suffering, all of the difficulties, the persecution, and all of those things that were against him. And he says, we faint not. Now, notice in verse 16 the intense struggle. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. Our outward man is perishing. That word perish means rot. That word perish means corrupt. It means destroy. Destroy. Our outward man, that is our body, our flesh, he says, it's, it's perishing. And according to Hebrews nine twenty seven, it's appointed that a man wants to die, so we all know that we're headed for the grave, and we all know that the older we get, the more the struggle is, because notice verse 7 of this chapter, we are in what? Earthen vessels. This body is earthen vessel. It's not gold and not silver and not steel. It's not something that will last forever. It is an earthen vessel. And time has a way of taking its toll upon our bodies. Solomon spoke about this many long years ago. And I think he described his situation as he grew older. He said in verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Now listen to this. I wish I had time to explain all of this, but he's describing the frailty of his body. He says, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Anybody else ever need a cane, a walker? and I mean, your knees are trembling. And the strong men shall bow themselves. And the grinders cease because they are few. For some of us, they're all gone. Some of you adults might have to explain to your kiddos what we're talking about here. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. (laughs) I see a lot of glasses out there. And I know some people that need some on right now. And the door shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. <laughs> Bev knows that's me. Boy, if there's a sound in the house, I, I can't sleep. And all of the daughters of music shall be brought low, and when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail because men goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets or ever the silver cord be loosed and the golden bow be broken or the pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern, and then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. You see, all of this is speaking about an intense struggle that we're going through. Paul spoke about it in the book of Romans where he said, The whole creation groaneth. It travaileth in pain. It's talking about the agony, the pain of a mother giving birth to a child. And he says, The whole creation is groaning, waiting for the adoption to wit, which is what? The redemption of our body. So the day that we get a new body, our old body is perishing. It's getting old. It, it's fading away. It's, uh, put it bluntly, It is just rotting and decaying before our very eyes. It's not anything new, it's something that every single one of us is going through. Some of you that are teenagers, you haven't realized that yet, but someday you will. An intense struggle. Caused by many different things as we've already talked about. But I want you to notice the important secret. Now I say this is a secret. It's really not. But I say it is a secret because most people have never really discovered the reality of this. They don't know anything about it. But it's not a secret to those who are familiar with the Bible. This is one reason why... Getting acquainted with the Bible is so very important because God's Word reveals everything that we need to know. There are three important facts that Paul deals with here in our text related to this important secret. Number one is that no day is without provision. Verse number 16 again, notice he says here that our outward man, that is our body, he said it is perishing, but notice our inward man is renewed day by day. There's a renewal going on within, day by day. I don't know how many of you saw the the little thing I posted this last week, the, the blind boy, uh, I don't know, maybe he was 14, 15 years old, playing some kind of a little instrument that looked something like a guitar. How, how many of you saw that? Maybe just a few. Singing one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Boy, I tell you, we need to learn to live one day at a time. You see, whenever God gives us the promise that He's going to supply our needs, remember, He says that we're to pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. We're to live our life in compartments. Compartments of days. And God does not give us the grace that we need or the things that that we need for tomorrow, He doesn't give us what we need tomorrow, today. But every day, there is something going on. God is at work in our life. There is a daily provision being provided. We were talking in the office just a while ago about some situations and, and things and, and talking about the fact that, you know, God doesn't give us the grace, you know, for tomorrow, today. It will be there when you need it. And the point is there are so many times that we envision in our mind, Oh, dear God, if this happened, I could never cope with it. I could never get through it. I would faint. I would give up. I would throw in the towel. That would be the end of me. And we think that we couldn't do it. But with God's help, we could. He gives us our strength day by day so There's no day without provision. Secondly, there is nothing that is permanent. Notice again what he said in verse 17, for our light affliction. You need to go back to what we've already read and you need to think about what Paul suffered. And there's nothing light about the afflictions that he went through, at least in our mind. But he calls them light afflictions. Notice there, but for a moment. Some of you have been suffering with physical infirmities for years. And he says it's just for a moment. He said they work for us, for us a more, far more exceeding weight of eternal glory while we look at the things which are seen. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That is, they're going to pass away. Everything you see is going to pass away. There's nothing permanent. Boy, sometimes whenever we're going through a trial, it seems like it will never end but it will nothing is permanent whatever your affliction is whatever your need is please understand that God is telling you it's not permanent did you know that regardless of what your disease is regardless of what your need is that God is going to heal every Christian but it's a matter of time He might not do it today or tomorrow, but He's going to do it. It's going to get done. It's all a matter of time. So nothing is permanent. And we've got to remember that. Not only that, but nothing is without purpose. Verse 17, notice He says that these things, these afflictions, they work for us, not against us. So many times we think, you know, like Jacob said, all of these things are against me. Have you ever felt like the whole world is against you? Everything's going wrong. Every day is Blue Monday. Nothing's going right. Everything's working against you. But it's not. He says, these light afflictions which are but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight Of glory. As I said, nothing is without purpose in our life. Now, we don't always understand what the purpose is, do we? There's so many times that we have questions. We wonder, Lord, why would you let this happen to me, or why would you allow this to happen to my loved ones? But for the Christian, absolutely nothing is meaningless. And I cannot begin to tell you how important this is that we understand that. That everything has a purpose and that God can bring good out of the worst things imaginable. When your peers mistreat you, your dreams are dashed to pieces, your best effort, your hardest work all seems to be in vain. Your spouse is unfaithful. Your children go astray. Your bills are piling up higher and higher. Your loved ones have died. And your health begins to decline. And, uh, well, you fill in the blank. All of these things are against you seemingly, but God says, I have a purpose in every one of those things. Now, please, don't misunderstand because I'm not trying to minimize your problem. I'm not trying to just with a wave of the hand and a little trite statement saying, be encouraged because God has a purpose for your trials. I'm not trying to send you away just memorizing a verse of Scripture because I understand that the struggle is real and it's great. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the grief. But just knowing it has meaning, knowing that something good is going to come as a result of this, that enables us to deal with it and to carry on. Because it's not for naught. And however tough it is to deal with, God has promised, day by day, God has promised to help you. And thinking that you can doesn't mean that you won't. I don't think I'll ever survive this. But you don't have the final say. God does. He's the one that gives the final answer. The only way for any of us to survive the struggle is to trust God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want you to notice what Paul says in in verse number 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Now get this. But our sufficiency is of God. Man, I tell you what, we need to stamp that on our forehead or something and never forget that. Our sufficiency is of God. Look at verse number 8 for just a moment. Well, verse number 8 of chapter 4. For we are troubled, but notice, We're not distressed. We're perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death, for Jesus' sake. Now listen carefully. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. You see, God is putting us through things. And by that I mean that God either causes everything or allows everything that happens to us and He's doing it for a reason and a part of the purpose is that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in us. That in the very worst condition, the very worst circumstances, that we might reveal something of Him to them who are around about us. So the Bible says that we are the light of this world. We're to have an influence. Now the one thing above everything remember we're still talking about this key, this secret to us surviving the storms. Verse fifteen For all things are for your sake. Now do you reckon Do you reckon God meant all things when he said all things? Absolutely. All things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many, here it is, and of many redound, rise, surge to the glory of God. You see, that tells us that everything in life is for the glory of God. In fact, the Bible says it was for that purpose that we were created. That's why we exist. Your purpose in life, my purpose in life, is to glorify God regardless of the circumstances. So that means that it's not a, life is not about me. Life is not about you. It's all about God being glorified. That's the, that's the only important thing. I'm not important. You're not important. It's whether or not God is glorified. And whenever that becomes the most important thing in our life, and it should be, if that's the most important thing in my life, that God be glorified, then it colors my thinking about everything else in life. What I do, where I go, everything. My thoughts, my behavior, my words, my deeds, everything is affected by that. Because if God's glory is the main thing in life, we will love our enemies for one thing, I mean, if that's true, we'll love our enemies. We will forgive every injustice. We'll endure every trial. We'll be content with whatever it is that God gives us. We'll be thankful for whatever it is that we have. We'll praise God continually. We'll resist temptation. We'll confess every sin. We'll serve Him with gladness. And that list can go on and on and on. It changes everything about our attitude. Let me just close by reading a few verses. Romans chapter 15. Verse number 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Think about that a little while. Those that are strong, you ought to be helping out those that are weak. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, Philippians 1, and I'm through. Philippians chapter number 1. I hope you're getting the picture of what we're talking about. That regardless of what we're going through and the glory of God is our main concern. Everything else is affected by that. Philippians 1, verse number 12. But I would that you understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me. Let's hear it. How many things, bad things, can you think that happened to Paul? Talk to me. Shipwrecked. What? Naked, hungry, beaten. beaten. Yeah, you see, and that list goes on and on. And he says, all of these things, notice, that happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. And he's simply saying that were it not for these things, I would not have been able to spread the gospel here in my present circumstances. Now look at verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life, or there it is, death. Didn't make him any difference as long as God was glorified to me to live as Christ and to die is what not lost but gain now verse number 29 for unto you it is given it's given it's given it's a gift I know we don't want it but it's a gift Because it's working for good. It's a gift because it helps us to glorify God. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. I'm telling you, I wish I could practice what I preach a lot better than what I do. You know, there's so many times that we beat ourselves up and we feel guilty because sometimes, you know, we get to thinking that we know how we ought to respond to whatever the situation is. I hope you follow what I'm saying now. You're going through a difficult time. You just naturally feel down in the dumps. In fact, you might even, you might even weep a bit. It's like you can't control your thoughts, you can't focus on anything, and, well, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it just, and and you say to yourself, hey, I ought to be, I ought to be rejoicing, and you should. Rejoice in the Lord always. And you ought to be thankful. Yeah, and you see, so many times we think we know what our proper response ought to be, and I'm telling you, you're not as smart as you think you are. Jesus wept. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. But you see, our emotions and the way that we feel about what we're going through, that's all natural. If you get a fish out of water, what does it do? It flips and it flops. It's out of its element. It's not natural. That's the proper response for a fish out of water. Stop beating yourself up because you're grieving over your situation. A few years ago, I was absolutely shocked when it really dawned on me Some of the statements that the psalmist was making and the things that he said, and God didn't even rebuke him. You see, God knew that was all a part of the process of him going through what he was going through. And instead of rebuking him, look, you know, saying, look, you nut job, you need to get your head screwed on straight. You need to start thinking right. Don't you know that you're, you're being silly? That's not. God never rebuked him at all. God just did something to encourage him. If Jesus wept, make no mistake about it, you're going to weep. If Jesus suffered, you're going to suffer. It's given unto you to suffer. It's going to happen. But there is a reason for it. And even if you don't see it, even if you, listen, even if you don't live to see that reason materialize, that's not what's important. What is important? God being glorified. That's it. And God does His work in His time and in His way. And he's not looking to us for advice about how he does it. In the dark of the midnight, I have off hit my face. While the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place, the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Let me tell you, one of these days, all of the storm clouds are going to be lifted and they're going to be gone. And we're going to enter into the fullness of our inheritance. And God's going to take all of those dark, painful things that caused us so much pain and He's going to produce something glorious in our life. Like the old song says, we'll understand it better by and by. Until then, we have the never-failing grace of God to depend upon. Trust Him. Let's stand together. Father, I pray this morning that in some way you'll take my feeble effort and use your glorious Word to speak to hearts. Lord, you know my heart that more than anything this morning... I want to see you glorified, and I want to see your people encouraged. And I just pray that in some mysterious way that we could never understand, that you'll take some portion of your word or this message today and just put it deep within the heart of your people. That they'll leave here encouraged perhaps as never before. And Heavenly Father, if there's someone here today that's never received Christ as their Savior. Oh, dear God, help them to understand the horrible condition that they're in. Speak to their heart. May the Holy Spirit draw them to that fountain filled with blood that they'll be saved. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Now while we stand and as we sing, If God's speaking to your heart about anything whatsoever, would you come?
1: And he surely will. And they will.
0: every game, but it's well with my soul. It might be that my body is racked with pain. It might be that my friends have turned against me. It might be that the right people don't win the election. It might be and whatever you want to add. But if you're a child of God in the will of God, you can sing, it's well with my soul. Amen. And if it's not, if it's not, it can be. Yeah. Amen. Amen? That's the wonderful thing. I, I'm glad that God is not a God that's somewhere afar off who is deaf and unconcerned, but He is a God who is here. He's a God that cares. And whatever your need is, God's able to meet that need. And if He doesn't, it's because He'll do something better trusting that's such a well it's you know it's almost offensive to people you know you they'll be explaining some great trial in their life and you say look you need you you need to trust God and and they just want to slap you They, they don't want to hear that that's too simplistic I'm telling you, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm telling you, the only thing that works, the only thing, is faith in God. Without that, we're sunk. And with faith in God, we can do all things. Thank God for that wonderful promise.